Hello and welcome to the This Might Be Biased podcast. Uh, this is Mastin and uh, alongside Scott and David, we have a whole crew this uh, this week. Say hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> not all at once. Not all at once, apparently. Oh, not everybody. Not <laughs> a little everybody rusty. A little rusty coming off the bench. A little rusty coming off the bench. So. I, I am here. Hello and uh, go blue. Thank you, Paul Chris. Yes. <laughs> what a... Uh, what what a fun Saturday! I think uh, uh, it was one of those. It was one of those Saturdays where I started to ask myself: Are they going to start cutting Jim Harbaugh some slack, or are we just going to keep moving the goalposts further for for Jim Harbaugh to be a successful co- uh, coach <laughs> and not not be so overrated? Um, but uh, but a fun a fun Saturday nonetheless. I have a question to to kick things off here: uh, Are night games worth it? And and by that I mean the 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 night game atmosphere is wonderful. It ruins your Saturday, at least it does for me. Do we like night games? Do we not like game, night games? What, uh, what 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 do you think, Scott? Um, I can handle one a year uh, as far as a home game goes on the uh, the Michigan side of things. Uh, when you start getting multiple of them in terms of the road games start becoming late games and everything else, it's uh, not not a huge fan. I, I tend to prefer the big games be three thirty and and everything else kick at noon, except for uh, except for the game. Um, that's not to say I didn't have a great great time and a lot of atmosphere, um, but my personal preference would be noon or three thirty, and you get the occasional night game. Uh, I totally agree with what you guys touched on last week, where we we can stop with the under the lights thing. That was a one time deal with the first one, and that was great. Uh, and last I checked, they're still playing night games at Wrigley Field without t shirts about it. So. We can just call it. We can just call it a late kick. That is absolutely the corollary, right? Yeah, that was my. You know, we we do night games now. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, a, a quick update to everyone: I did not get to be um, guy sitting on a couch watching football for my Halloween costume last week. <laughs> suggested yes and and further i agree i've had more than one person say uh that that it is way too early for a halloween party and i concur this was a relatively kid focused halloween party if that uh if that helps anything but i I think that buys you some credit back that buys you some credit back you know i mean the christmas stuff's already up at home depot so (laughs) that's true same at lowe's same at lowe's (laughs) Yes, I was. Uh, I, I went as a cowboy because I happened to have a cowboy hat and a shirt that looked vaguely flannel. <laughs> that counts. I think. I think I could beat that in college. I put on a flannel shirt and grabbed a paper towel roll. What were you? What were you? I was whatever people guessed me to be because people uh, like me, right? But I guess the brawny guy. I don't know. It was. Uh, it was <laughs> I see. <laughs> got it. So uh, on top of that, on on Saturday, uh, we got to see Murder Wolf or Bear. Or is he Murder Wolf or Murder, Murder Bear? Do we is is there? I've heard Murder Wolf more. I think. I keep Murder. erroneously calling him Murder Bear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's part of the charm of the character. Really, yeah. is that either way seems seems right. It just sounds right. It's been great. Uh, it was great to see him uh, back uh, back on taking pictures with with fans. Um, I, I saw him in person, actually. No, did you? And you live? Yes. Well, I was in a I was in a vehicle, so I he had the right. He had the right colors on Master in the eye. If it's maize or blue, it shuts. it's like the predator vision. It just scans right over it, you know. Yeah, but yeah we, were, we were leaving game day. I looked over and I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> I actually didn't even get to see game day. What did Corso pick? Who did he pick Wisconsin? He, he emphatically yes. picked Wisconsin, actually. That was and the funny thing is, I'm at that point with that show where like, that's totally fine. And there's also that small part of me that's still like excellent. <laughs> like that's what I want. <laughs> you know. At this point, Lee Corso is just everybody's sort of grandfather at this point. And you just sort of love him, even though he's like, he's, he's that are egregiously wrong. He's <laughs> entertainment and God bless him for being out there. And, you know, I kind of have a soft spot for him and that, like, I don't think the show would be the same without him at this point. And so, you know, let him, let him go out there and do what he do what he do. That's right. That's right. Yes. So, uh, 
so Michigan comes out and absolutely blows the doors off of a team, a Wisconsin team that a lot of people were picking to uh, at least challenge Ohio State in the Big Ten, uh, an absolute sort of top fifteen team that got uh, that, that got dismantled. And so, uh, and so, my my question with that is is how does that change or does that change your expectations? Uh, on on what this season can be does it does it just simply reinforce things what how does this change your your outlook it it keeps my hopes in play yeah okay that's the main thing like basically it's just kind of keep going until my dreams are crushed in a bit of agony and despair but oh that's what we call the lloyd car (laughs) you're in the lloyd car (laughs) segment of the (laughs) <laughs> or, so is I, it, or is yeah, it technically calling it on MGO the uh, the B pone or whatever, yes. however you pronounce that? Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I think as I said last week, Wisconsin just kind of didn't scare me to an to an effect. So like, the fact that they beat them this soundly was was wonderful. But I did expect them to win and win, you know, relatively comfortably. Uh, so I guess this you know kind of keeps things going and. and Makes things more much more plausible if they keep up this level of play, yeah. which is always the the big if. So if if they can do this on the road, and I you know I I really don't think Michigan State's very good, but you know we also didn't really uh, stomp on Northwestern very much. So if they, if they can do it on the road this weekend, then I then I think I'm going to be pretty on board. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's just it's just continued reinforcement that this team is where we thought that they would be at this at this point of the season. And and look, I mean, this is this this is a little four week three game test in the middle of the season um, that that I think far more so than even the game in Columbus is going to dictate whether or not this is a team. Or, or, or rather, it's going to dictate whether this team has the ability to play for for a championship in Columbus, right? Because effectively, Michigan's playoff run starts in Ohio at Ohio State, uh, assuming they can pass this this little three game stretch of Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State, and uh, and and you know test number one passed, and so so now we get to move on to test number two. I agree. I don't think Michigan State's very good. But um, but but we'll, and we'll get to that that portion a little bit later. But uh, you know, I think that that it was it was an absolute sort of shot, um, you know, shot to the rest of the country that that Michigan is uh, is maybe not the the team that got blown out by well not blown out by but uh, handled by Notre Dame and and just sort of another flash in the pan. I think this Michigan team is a real is a real team and somebody that uh, that that the Big Ten and, and you know maybe even nationally are going to have to consider. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm not surprised at the win. I um, was surprised at the ability of the team in in all phases to really just dominate Wisconsin. I mean that that was a team that um, you know opened up some holes on the first two drives and then just was never in the football game again. Uh, so that was that was encouraging to see. Um, do I think Wisconsin's probably the number fifteen team in the country? Uh, I doubt it. Um, and I'm not trying to move the the goalposts on us, but I mean, I, I think all of us would have, you know, said that Hornybrook was unbelievably lucky last year in the game we played at Madison in terms of, uh, you know, he's throwing at covered guys and double covered guys and completing them. And, um, you know, we, we made him look terrible in this game. Um, that said, I think it's a big check mark. I think it counts as a huge win against a ranked opponent. The biggest game of the season is Saturday uh, to date. And really sets us up for, uh, a, you know, a win in East Lansing checks a lot of boxes uh, from a just, you know, feelings ball program standpoint, ranked opponent on the road, Michigan State. No, they'll keep moving um, the, but it also posts on that. They'll find. Well, no, I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not. Yeah. They will continue to move the goalpost. But, you know, from a from a more, um, you know, concrete standpoint, it basically means that the uh, matchup in Columbus is for the uh, Big Ten championship game, right? Uh, so, so a win there would be absolutely enormous. So, let's uh, let's move into uh, a, a little bit of, of some of the new stuff we saw from the offense against uh, against Wisconsin, and 
uh, in some of the stuff that I think that Michigan's going to start to build on here, moving on through this through the schedule, the the first and and you somewhat the most obvious, at least when when I was watching the game both live and and when I rewatched it again, was the notion that Michigan had absolutely drilled the tendency that when when a when a zone read is run, the Michigan quarterback is handing off that ball. And so, so we had drilled that tendency and we had lost yards on that play. We had, you know, it, to, to much head shaking uh, across the fan base around to how Shea should have pulled that and kept it. Well, this, this game, they kept it and they pulled it and it absolutely broke Wisconsin's defense. Uh, they had, they had very little answer. And then when they adjusted to it in the second half and Harbaugh alluded to it by saying that, uh, that they were going to need to, to cover all the gaps then uh, that's when that's when Higdon started slashing him on the inside, uh, and so I don't know. And you know, this is, I mean, do you think is that an intentional diversion tactic? Are, are the coaches are the coaches putting stuff on film, knowing that and just telling Shea, hey, you're handing this thing off every single time? Uh, I, don't, and, I don't know. You know. Is that is that intentional? I don't know if it's necessarily intentional, but I do think that perhaps they looked at the number of times they've run that play and the number of times he's done it and in prepping for an opponent, uh, possibly point out that that's something that's set up. Um, I don't know. It it would seem odd to run that play the number of times that they did, but basically have it not be a read uh, and essentially kind of just set fire to a play more often than not. Um, But boy, they, they certainly did set it up very well, you know, and, and all you have to do is do that once. And now every team, uh, you know, ahead on the schedule has to prepare for it. Yeah. I, I, it's seeing some of the, how wide open some of those lanes would have been in, in some of the previous games, like the, like even the one, you know, the, the third down, I guess, Northwestern where he ended up punting it away. Like had he kept that ball, he probably would have gotten like 30 yards. So it's tough. It's, I, I don't think they would want to set a play on, on fire, so, so to speak, but they may have expected the line to be able to block well enough to still get good yardage just by handing it off to Higdon. Cause it, it just the, I don't know. You would have figured I that mean, Shea it, would have pulled it a couple of times in the interim. I mean, maybe uh, if they, if they were basically rope doping there and just sort of lulling Nebraska or excuse me, uh, Wisconsin to sleep um, on film, uh, either way, I mean, it, it worked. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of you know, believe there is an element of that uh, there where they, they, they yeah. thought, you know, this is something we think we can, you know, bust a certain team on. Uh, we, you know, and we don't necessarily need it for these other teams. And, and whether you think that's, you know, whether exactly. you agree with that or not is, is a different thing than whether they were doing it based, you know, and, this, you know, we have no idea. It's just kind of what we see. Uh, but, oh, and you're never going to get a coach to answer that question, honestly. But no. but it would be one of those sort of fly in the wall situations where I'd be intrigued to know, you know, just how much they cared about setting the down on fire versus putting a tendency on film and then being able to rip yeah. it off because because Wisconsin had no answer for it. It, it. When I say it broke their defense, I don't mean like physically it broke their backs. I mean I'm literally like if a defense has a bunch of moving parts and they're supposed to work in tandem and everything, like it broke it. Like the, the machine mm-hmm. of the Wisconsin defense was broken. Yeah. Uh, when when you've got Shea Patterson running eighty yards down the field, and uh, and then McCaffrey, who is who is full stop fast, by the way, yes, um, yes. <laughs> doing the same great. thing. The other observation I had, and, and I don't know, it was so it was so funny to me because normally I I love a good gadget play, I love a good trick play, but I thought that the gadget plays this game were were drive killers. They did they did not. Um, I, well, I, they did. And, and the problem was. As soon as you saw either the formation or who was in, you're just like, oh, they're going to do something stupid. Uh, right. <laughs> like, hey, let's so put in our four-string quarterback for the first time all season. He might throw the ball. You don't know. We could, we could <laughs> give him a throw. So yeah. okay, so okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that. I think that was absolutely going to be a throw, and the play was busted on the first play for Milton. He had absolutely. I thought he just it. he immediately yeah. tucked it. Now that was the second one where he cut it back across everything. But but on rewatching it, the first one, I think he absolutely was going to drop back and throw, and I think it was a busted. Is this play. the same way Peppers was always going to throw it? But yes. 
Peppers at least made a throwing motion once, you know, and then and then checked. But so, I, 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 I don't know. I, don't I mean, know I the think first drive of the game where you're actually having decent success is the is the time to be like, yeah. I mean, agreed, so. agreed. But I also don't think that um, putting it out there is is necessarily a terrible thing. Ultimately, in a game that ended up being, you know. 38-13 and probably should have been 48-13, you know, at well, the end I mean, of the day. Here's one thing. Like, if I'm if I'm Michigan State and and I'm D'Antonio or whoever is going to be uh, – whoever's in charge of this, like, that little throwback to McCaffrey, um, yeah, McCaffrey's going to be able to throw that and, and do something. But, like, that guy's fast enough. Like, in another world, McCaffrey is just Zach Gentry 2.0. Like, I mean, you know, he's yeah. fast enough and built enough to be a tight end. Like, like there's nothing to say that McCaffrey doesn't just look up field and see no one in front of him for 10 yards and just tuck it and start running. And yeah. so you've got – I do agree there's some ability to build off of those things. I just honestly thought that the base offense after the first quarter in particular was was working fine. And so the Ambry Thomas started around, and I've already talked about how the fact I don't like, I don't love at least Ambry Thomas on uh, on on offense. That, that little play, he's, he's got to catch, uh, catch a couple passes, I think, before that's going to work again. Mm-hmm. I do. I, okay, I know I'm I'm being Captain Contrary in this podcast. Sorry, um, I do think the Ambry Thomas jet motion opened up a number of things for Higdon in the backfield going forward. I, I like. I think if we went back and looked at it at a you know who went with him on that sort of stuff. Not necessarily the one play where he got the football, but I, th- I think he took four or five snaps where he was in motion. And I think it does open okay. up a few things because it absorbs a player having to follow him. Um, yes. So we haven't, we haven't cashed in on it by any means yet. Um, but I, I think there's things that you can build off of with that. I mean, um, was it SMU or was it Nebraska where he was, you know, five yards wide open and just wasn't able to come down with the ball that was thrown a little behind him. I think it was SMU. I think it was SMU. I think it was. But I mean, I I think there's, I think there's a a, a layering to a lot of what we're doing in these looks. It, you know, like the like the diamond formation we kind of talked about after the game. You know, they're able to get some matchups out of similar looks that like they can exploit. You know, to different guys out of a similar formation. Um, so I think I think there's probably a little bit more to it. I don't think they're doing the Brady Hoke just slam your head into a wall with the same you know couple of plays, see what see what happens type of deal. I think I, it seems to me as the season has gone on, they've been building on some of this stuff. It, it, yeah, it, yep. it just feels like you could do that with Ronnie Bell at this point, right? Because he's yeah, see that's what that's what I think, and not to make it a complete. But I, I don't have a problem with doing that with Amory Thomas. I would just like to see him do other things so that they don't. It's not like it's true that they have to occupy, you know, he occupies a guy, but that's basically the only thing he does when he's out there, I guess. And I, I, so, I think he's currently capable of doing other things. So, so I think, so I think that's a, sorry, I think that's a, a very good argument. I, I like, you can still run that very similar play, but you, your guys, if I'm understanding correctly, are saying that Amber Thomas's presence on the field is just tipping exactly what we're doing. Yeah. I kind of think so. Okay. Okay. I mean, I think and that's a plus, fair I don't know what Ambry Thomas gives you besides being very, very fast. That now when, when Ambry Thomas goes off for 285 yards Saturday, we, we'll talk. <laughs> yes, I will gladly <laughs> eat throw. I'm going to assume some of those are catching a pass, though. So. Yes, probably. <laughs> All right, so we're going to do this same, uh, this same exercise for the defense, but uh, we're at the halfway point in the season. Uh, offensively, uh, who or or what what group as a whole um, has exceeded your expectations thus far? Fullback. Full. <laughs> that's, that's, that's such a Big Ten answer. <laughs> okay, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Like we can name two fullbacks. You know, like it's just, that is outstanding. I, you know? I didn't have fullback um, uh, literally like not being able to be stocked for three yards and jumping over people. So that's. That's definitely a gold star in my in my book. <laughs> All right, so David, you've got fullback Scott. Um, that's a good question because if you said headed into the season, I I think that um, it'd either be Patterson has pleasantly met or exceeded my expectations. I mean, we all kind of hoped, but you know, you, you were we were basically a lot of grainy right. footage. 
Yeah, um, you didn't know. If yeah, we, if we, we had like Zapruder film yeah. on him, <laughs> like the Bigfoot. Yeah, you know, I mean, it was very much like, well, you know, their offensive line might be an analog of how terrible our offensive line was. And, you know, he kind of did this against, you know, Middle Tennessee Tech, and that's probably Purdue, you know. And um, <laughs> <laughs> um, But I, I, I think if we're talking about, you know, from game one to now, uh, the offensive line uh, and the tackles in particular have been a very pleasant surprise because uh, I thought we were going to be back in a pit of despair after Notre Dame, and uh, they have become a, a quiet um, place of consistency. So They've gotten to the point where Karan Higdon, after the game, can say multiple times, we have the best offensive line in the country, and no one no one agrees with him in that assessment, but, but also no one is laughing too hard. I might be laughing <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yes. We all are. are we all are laughing the, a little the, bit. The pa- but the past, yeah, the pass protection has been a very welcome surprise, and the, the run blocking has kind of continued the pace. I would say so. Yeah, absolutely. The offensive line has been a pleasant surprise. Like it's it's just like seeing them and get time. It's like oh, I remember this, and it was it's, it's good. Yeah. Well, and I think I think you could even maybe point out that it's possibly been I, I, I think Shea is having to recalibrate a little bit of his timer probably from practice, uh, you know, in fall camp and everything else, because there, there's been some times where I think he's had a little more time than than perhaps his internal shot clock is is yes. uh, indicating to him. And it doesn't happen all that often, but there are a few plays where it's like it's a pretty well set pocket, and you'll see him flush, and you're kind of like, "Hey, you, you you had another beat or two to to let a guy come open," um, you know. And so, I, I, the the number of just blown plays and gaffes and and free rushers has been cut down remarkably. And uh, you know, hats off to Ed Warner and hats off to the to the guys putting in the time because it's uh, it, it's been a pretty marked uptick over over the first. Uh, first half of the year. No, absolutely. And, uh, uh, mine is, is actually Karan Higdon. Um, nice. Nice. He, uh, he is, is somewhat quietly putting together the best running back season that we have experienced since Mike Hart. Uh, he has, uh, five games now in a row where he has eclipsed the hundred yard rushing mark. Uh, he had a high uh, against Western Michigan of 156, but even as competition has stepped up incrementally, um, he is starting to make uh, really, really, I think, smart smart uh, cuts uh, with the ball. And he had one blown cut against uh, uh, here against Wisconsin that led to that fumble sequence and cheese man. Um, completely betraying his fellow his fellow cheese men. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, beautifully, uh, beautifully, yes, yes. But um, you know, I, I think that I, I expected him to be good. I didn't expect him to be workhorse, right? I, I thought it was going to be much more of a platoon uh, with Chris Evans, and certainly Chris Evans's injury has played into that. But you know, the, the guy you're, you're supposedly platooning with goes down with an injury. And, uh, you know, all you can do is, is step up and be, you know, that with that workhorse. He had 30 carries against Northwestern, uh, 25 against Maryland, uh, 19 against Wisconsin, all uh, exceeding 100 yards uh, for, for those games. And so I, I've, I've been very impressed with Karan Higdon. Uh, and, and it's not to say that my expectations were low moving into the season. Uh, it's just I didn't expect him to be that sort of workhorse back that he's turned into. Yeah, I think his, the consistency has been a really wonderful surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and so the the we can we can sort of shuffle on here uh, to to the defense. Um, be, Mastin, before we before we do that, anybody who's maybe not um, hit what you thought they might on the offensive side, anybody who's who's you know, this at this point in the season, we we're maybe expecting to see a little bit more of, or we might thought of broken out and just hasn't yet. I mean, it, it it's hard for me to say. I think maybe Grant Perry. That's a, that's uh, that was going to be mine, and and a hat tip to my my good buddy Nick, who was at the game with me on on Saturday. That was his kind of point as well, is that you know I kind of figured we'd have a lot of like possession-y uh, type downs as far as finding the guy to convert a third and six, third and seven, and just, 
I, I don't know if it's just that we're spreading the ball around so much that yeah, you know, I don't know whether, he's gotten lost in the shuffle. I mean, that's just it. I don't know whether that's a Grant Perry problem or, or it, whether it, that's it, just it a function of the offense. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think that's a very fair point. Uh, so, um, so yeah, and and you know, I I kind of thought uh, I I kind of thought he would be he would turn into that sort of safety blanket receiver, and and he hasn't. But that also again, it could be that gentry. You've got gentry's gentry there, and you've got um, you know Donovan People Jones, and you've got Nico Collins playing a big role, and other things to where like you know he's he's doing just fine, um, and just it's hard for any one receiver maybe. Uh, to be that breakout player. I mean, even DPJ, who's been, I think, uh, very good this year, uh, he, he's, he's not Braylon Edwards out there in terms of, of, holy cow, you know, this this one guy is unstoppable. But Well, and, and I think some of that's also maybe a function of, you, you know, the number of passing attempts we've had on the year. Um, you, you know, I mean, Lewerke's thrown, I think, 220 balls or 225, and... Uh, Shea's throwing 150, you know? So, I mean, the just the pure number of attempts, there's just not as many to go around when you kind of have the system that we do between the wideouts, the tight ends, uh, and, and the backs. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so on, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you know, overall, that was, that was the performance that we've come to expect from the defense. Uh, I was uh, a little bit surprised that they were um, so good in pass protection um, and actually in, in, in pass defense, I should say. Um, but, uh, but, you know, overall I thought that they got bit a little bit there at the beginning and, uh, and sort of had that moment uh, when, when Wisconsin tied it up where I was like, okay, well, this is the game that we all expected uh, Wisconsin to bring and they're bringing it and we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to, to score some points and, and everything else. And then after that, it was just complete lockdown. The operation to steal that uh, page of the play sheet was a huge success. <laughs> but Scott, you had a really good, you had a really good point about what you thought the turning point of the game was. And it happened on the defensive side of the ball. I, uh, there, there was a sequence and, uh, in the stands, everyone was kind of looking around at each other, but you know, it, it was a game that I, I think we had maybe one possession in the first quarter, you know, the, the, the first quarter just flew by and, uh, you know, Michigan had kind of controlled things. Wisconsin had driven, um, you know, the, the first kind of drive in terms of opening up some big holes and, and picked up a couple first downs and punted and then scored on a great, you know, hats off to him, a great jet sweep play. Um, and it's, so suddenly it's tied seven, seven, and you have this really kind of sinking feeling in your stomach of like, Oh man, that, you know, they're driving down the field at their own 47. Um, and it's second and one. We haven't, we haven't touched Taylor within four or five yards of the line of scrimmage yet in the game. And, um, you know, second one, Hornybrook ends up fumbling the snap. He's actually pretty fortunate to recover it, becomes third and three. Everyone in the stadium thinks Wisconsin's going to hand the ball off and rush for at least four yards, you know, and pick up the first down. And for whatever reason, Paul Chris decides to dial up a pass play that uh, Josh Uche just absolutely destroys Hornybrook, um, who fumbled and then, you know, caught it with his legs because, of course, he did. Um, but turning that into a punt, that the, the game, even though it was not, more than a six point deficit at halftime, the game never felt the same after they punted on that possession. And I think Wisconsin changed the way they called their offense from then on in. Uh, and it was a, just a really weird, you know, considering what their identity is supposed to be. It was just a very odd sequence of events. I think I read that that was their first third and short that they failed to convert this season. That's crazy. And it's, it, yeah, it's purely because they didn't just hand it off to their best player. And <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I feel I like mean, it's hard to have this defense, this defensive section it, without it just getting felt into, so odd, didn't it? Yes. I mean, without getting into the, the very weird game that Wisconsin brought and uh, and it's hard to kind of articulate. I'm going to try here probably unsuccessfully, but like they were, they were calling that game offensively. There was no, there was no rhythm or flow to the way that Wisconsin was, um, was calling that game. They they were running, 
well past the time where it was it was time to you know stop running and, and start throwing the ball. They were throwing the ball in the first half when they should have absolutely been handing it off um, uh, to Taylor and letting him letting him roll through. And uh, having and and I, we were talking earlier this week. You know, we we've experienced that this year. Actually, I think that, that against Notre Dame, where like it wasn't as though any one thing wasn't working. It's just that that could never really seem to string together enough uh, consecutive uh, positive plays to to get anything resembling like a drive going. And that's the, that's the spot that Wisconsin found themselves in. And I think it's it's. Um, uh, mostly credit the Michigan defense, uh, but also maybe a little tip of the cap to Paul Crest, who who um, just I thought called a, a bizarre game. Yeah, I, I, I think the defense definitely got their feet under them after the first couple of drives and started playing much better. But like twenty five passing yards, like what? What? And then, yeah, yeah. It was like there one was, of those games last year where you look at like the quarterback stats and you're like, no, that's no one even that's not possible. And then it's like, oh, you have which running back? And how many carries right. did he have again? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, six, six in the second half. He touched yes, the ball I, six I, times. I would have looked at 25 first half passing yards and be like, okay, well, we tried. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> put in three fullbacks, and here game. we go. At the point of the um, of the pick six, uh, you know, right after that, uh, there were there were four completions thrown by Alex Hornerbrook that game. Two of which went to Wisconsin, and two of which which went to Michigan. <laughs> uh, oh, that's sweet retribution. Oh, that for dude last does year. not like the Michigan Stadium. <laughs> no, he does not. No, he does not. Uh, nope he uh, he has. Uh, uh, you know, they, they kept cutting back to the the time that he was in Michigan Stadium previously and had his awful game, yeah. and then and then he followed it up by an even more atrocious performance. And uh, uh, yeah, so so I don't know, I don't exactly know what they were doing. And and the surrender punt was was indefensible. It took Michigan one play, literally one play, to gain back the entire yardage gained uh, by that punt um, that that Paul. Uh, called there from their own or from from the Michigan 42 yard line that trickled into the end zone because of course it did yeah um you know so that was straight out uh, of the uh, James Franklin field goal uh you know mm-hmm. game decision making I'm more angry at the two-point conversion because you've got <laughs> you score and you can kick an extra point to make it a 24 point game which is three possessions assuming you go for two each time you can go for two to make it a 23-point game, which changes nothing. Or you can go for two and miss it, which makes it a 25-point game, which makes it a four-possession game. Just full stop. Yeah, but at least at least you started completely. At least you started unleashing the dragon there at the end. Like, well, that like, was, well, I was going to say, and this is after you've surrendered, punted. You're not allowed to do this after you've yeah. already waved to the white flag. No one's going to see 15 points on the scoreboard and go, ah, that must have been competitive. <laughs> <laughs> I just like if you're gonna onside kick it, just like make it just go well, for fewer possessions, man. Come and on. And even before even before that, you know, we're lining up to kick a 54, 55 yard field goal with 40 seconds to go in the first half. Wisconsin has two timeouts and is a, they decided to take the football, which you never do. And uh, so Michigan's <laughs> going to get the ball back in the second half. And instead of calling a timeout, because if we happen to miss the field goal, they'd have, you know, 35 seconds in the ball near midfield. They just let us run the clock down and kick the field goal. And, and, you know, we basically got a free possession out of it because of the fact that, you know, he apparently thought taking timeouts to halftime was, you know, worth something. I wonder if other fan bases get as angry at opposing coaches for not being like smart. <laughs> You're footballing wrong. I mean, you I'll, know? I mean, I'll take it. I, every coach could do this. That's fine. But I just the number of comments from people just like, what are you doing? <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> It is one of those great Michigan things, you know, like uh, because that does get said to the opposing fans in the in the stadium. It's not even a oh, you guys are blah blah blah. You know, it's like uh, your 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 strategy is is wanting, you know. (laughs) And we know because we've seen Uh, plenty of dumb strategy in our day. But yes, God God knows (laughs) exactly. And so. you know the other the other thing I wanted to talk a little bit along the defensive line. You know, Gary's out, 
uh, and and it sounds like he might be out for uh, for more of an extended period of time than than Michigan would like. Uh, but honestly, I didn't think that the drop off was too hard uh, from from having Gary on the field uh, versus sort of Uche and company uh, over there on the other side. I do think that it sort of whittles down Chase Winovich's ability to um, clean up some of the stuff that Gary forces on his side. Um, but, but really you just kind of flip those roles and now, you know, Chase is in that spot where, you know, he's getting held every play, um, and dropping to his knees at one point, uh, and <laughs> wondering why, why they're not throwing flags. Um, and, and, and other people are, are stepping in to clean up, uh, clean up the, the mess from the pressure that, that Chase has applied. Um, so I didn't think that the drop-off was, was that bad, or at least it seems like a Gary-less defense is something that Michigan's going to continue to be able to work with. Where where I'm a little concerned and Wisconsin didn't test this is um, not so much in the pass rush um, you know, aspect of things, but more so in what Gary is able to accomplish in the run game in terms of taking on these double and triple teams and still setting an edge and, uh, and absorbing those things and getting out on screens. And um, I think he gets um, not enough recognition for just how dangerous he is in terms of the, the rushing defense. Um, and where I think Uche is, is just not quite the same type of player is, you know, he's just not quite that same frame. He's a heck of a speed rusher. Um, and he very well may prove me wrong, but that's my, that's my one concern with Gary not being in there is that, um, do we have as reliable and stable of an edge guy in the rushing game um, to, to step into that role um, going forward? Especially because we're going to see the option this weekend. Uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> so if, somebody, if, they, if we've got somebody that can play that, then fine. But, but yeah, I, yeah it, it, it's really a bummer because he just, he, he just seems to have this kind of nagging thing that's been the case for the last year and a half, and you just want to see what he's capable of at his best, and, and hopefully he's able to heal up and, and get back. But, but yeah, I think the defensive line played very well this week. It'll just be a, a interesting to see against, you know, kind of more middling defensive line or offensive lines, which is what we should see most of the rest of the season. Uh, if Winovich can get back to making a few of those, uh, you know, more uh, flashy plays that we've seen in, in prior weeks and still be able to put that kind of pressure on, because that'll be a big, uh, a big factor, uh, his ability to kind of cause pressure by himself, I think, in maintaining this, uh, this level of performance, I think. No, absolutely. And I think that, uh, you know, the Wisconsin absolutely brings, I mean, they've got at least three offensive linemen that are, uh, locks to be NFL bound. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be, you know, th- that was a very good offensive line, uh, admittedly that, that we just played. Um, so, you know, I, I, I thought that, um, that, that the defensive line held up really well against that. Cause we all, we all sort of pointed to, to that being a, a, a test. And I, I thought largely they passed it. Um, albeit maybe with a little bit less uh, flash and sizzle that we're, that we're used to. Yeah. And I think, you know, it'll be very interesting to see between, um, Dwum four actually played in this game, which I didn't really realize live, but he had one, he had one big rip up the middle, uh, um, on a pass rush. Yeah. Um, but I, I think seeing yeah. what happens at that tackle position between him and a, a now, uh, healthy Solomon, you know, or at least a, a returning to health Solomon and, and, and Marshall, uh, and Monet, I mean, uh, especially this week. I mean, at, you know, Michigan State's offensive line, I think they've played six different offensive lines in six games so far this season. Um, but I'm hoping that the center of our line can kind of build off that performance because, it, you know, after those first couple of drives when it seemed like we were just getting blown out of the middle, um, I actually thought before Paul Christ, you know, started going crazy with his playbook that that we started to stand up really pretty well and actually have some impact there. Um, and so my hope is that we can build on that going forward, you know, despite, despite some of the injury situation. Yeah, I would, um, uh, I mean, I, I would hope so. It's going to be, it's going to be an area to watch, I think here moving forward, um, real quickly on, on the special teams side of things. Um, I thought Nordine's kicks were off all night. Um, did we get, did, did, I mean, is, is there, is there any answer for that? Like, why does a kicker? 
um, sometimes seem to to get that perfect sort of end over end rotation, and then other times, I mean, Nordine was hitting ducks all night, whether it was extra extra points, makes misses, whatever. They were just knuckleballs. Uh, a very the, weird game. The first one I thought looked pretty good. He just started it off a little too far to the right, like in terms of it, it like kind of did that hook curve kind of thing, like not a bad hook, but more of a draw. I just didn't quite make it in time. And I wonder if he tried to like overcorrect on the subsequent ones. Cause yeah, there were two that were definitely knucklers and then it just, yeah, it just did not seem like, uh, you know, the kind of that, that level of, uh, of kicking we've seen. And I'm, I'm wondering if he tried to maybe over overdo something based off how that first one kind of just missed. This is, this is totally fan in the stands and not to build on David's excellent golf analogy there, but um, I'm wondering if maybe he's just trying to hit the ball too hard on some of these kicks. I mean, it, he's got leg for days, obviously. Um, I, I can't name the last Michigan kicker who could put the ball over the net from 40 or 45 yards, you know, let alone on extra points and stuff. But I'm wondering if maybe similar to the golf swing, he's he's trying to hit it too hard. And as a result, his contact is not as consistent as it had been previously. Um, and if maybe that's contributing to at least the issues with some of the shorter kicks, um, you know, I, other than that, I mean, when you look at his overall season stats, I think it's kind of one of those things where you, uh, just shrug and say, okay, we gotta, we gotta roll with him. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm not suggesting that something is wrong with uh, with Quinn Nordine, but uh, just a weird, just a couple weird, weird kicks uh, from him. Um, but all in all, we, we left, you know, a, a ton of points on the field and a blowout that should have been uh, probably uh, a lot, or we all anticipated being a lot closer. Um, and so, so, you know, pass, you know, number, number one, test number one uh, passed. And so, we, we move on uh, to, to Michigan State here this week. Uh, and so, so Scott, what, uh, what are your feelings on Michigan State? Um, you know, le- leading into the game, I mean, I, it, you know, backing off to the 10,000-foot view for just a second, you know, it's, it is a game that from a pure feelings ball standpoint, you know, never mind all of our aspirations for the year and the conference and everything else, but just just for the right mindedness of the universe and like justice, we need to win this football game. I mean, this is a school that um, it's questionable if they should even be allowed to have an athletic department, you know, based on everything that they've done. And uh the lack of contrition from the school, the board, the coaches, and certainly the fan base is sickening. And so just from that angle, I, I just want to absolutely just, you know, blow these guys out and move on and call it a return to normalcy that it was for my entire life until Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke were our head coach. So um, that little rant aside, <laughs> um you know, leading into it, I mean, I, I think we're very much benefited by the fact that this is a noon kick and not a night game. Um, uh, I, that sounds silly to say, but when they announced that time, I was thrilled um, because I think from an atmosphere standpoint, that is going to ratchet it down just a little bit. And, um, you know, it, we can get into maybe more of the statistical discussion here in a second after you guys maybe have a chance to, to share what your thoughts are. But um, I... I Looking at it at the from a matchup standpoint and and what the teams have done to date, um, Michigan should win this football game. And I don't care what D'Antonio's record has been in previous years; that team isn't stepping onto the field on Saturday. And uh, since Jim Harbaugh has been here, we haven't been out coached by them once. So I, uh, I I am confident. I have that little bit of you know pit in the stomach feeling because it's a, a big road game that potentially could launch us into the rest of the season in terms of you know goals we had hoped for in the preseason and and i also have that pit in the stomach because i'm sick and tired of hearing a narrative that is only partially you know based in fact in terms of harbaugh's quote struggles against rivals and uh uh, it's time to have to stop you know countering that argument with a 15 point dissertation and instead be like now we beat you this year and move on So I think uh, 
Uh, no, I, I think, first of all, you're right about the general sort of where, where Michigan State stacks up in the universe. Uh, you know, the, the, they absolutely richly deserve to get to get beaten here. But but further than that, you know, recent history would would suggest that maybe a little bit of, of squirreliness amongst Michigan fans might be warranted. But when I look at, at players on the field this year and these teams um, and, and who they are, uh, Michigan's a better football team uh, than Michigan State uh, across the board. Uh, I, I don't know that there is a single position um, on the, that Michigan State fields that that I would take their player or their guy uh, over ours. And so to me, this is a, a road game. It's a chance to go on the road and, and sort of make uh, a little bit of a statement uh, as, as you know, sort of meaningless as, as that is. Uh, because, and, and the reason that that opportunity exists is because uh, Michigan's a much better football team uh, from, from top to bottom. And, and I, I am, am hopeful that they will come out. It's a, it's a short trip. Uh, it's not anything sort of too onerous uh, on, on terms of, in terms of the travel. And so I would hope that they'd come out and treat this thing uh, a little bit like they have when they've been playing at home uh, and, and really hit the gas because I think they can. David? Yeah, uh, I mean, just, just show up, basically. I mean, I, I, I agree that I think, you know, based on the performances I've seen on the field from, from both of these teams, that I think Michigan's better. Uh, and it's just a matter of getting there and, and doing it. And it's, it's, it's just exhausting to feel like uh, beating them on the football field is the only way to give them some sort of just – any Lessons, sort of yeah. punishment or anything, just because <laughs> nobody else, nothing, there's nothing else seems to going to is going to happen. So I guess this has to be it, which is just exhausting. But right. uh, yeah, but, uh, no, I yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you know, I, I think this team is absolutely capable, uh, and I hope we see it. And I hope it's you know, there's there's it, this game's either going to be close or Michigan's going to blow them out. Like I just don't see, you know, I. No, I mean it's not going to be Michigan State. I don't think is going to be able to blow out Michigan. What what I would what I would hope for, and what we absolutely can't do, um, and at least or at least can't do and keep all of our sanity sort of uh, uh, intact is go out there and, and put ourselves in that fourteen point mm-hmm. hole the way that we did That's, against Notre Dame and the way that we did against Northwestern. Yeah, you beat you uh, beat me to it. I was going to build off of David's, you know, it, we need to show up. And, and like, I think it even gets down to even more specific than that. The, the defense absolutely has to, to show up and be locked down from the first snap because, um, you know, th- this is not a good offense that we're facing. They're going to have a bunch of kind of odd misdirection plays, reverses, you know, like David said earlier in the podcast, they're going to run that stupid option with Lewerke. Um, He's thrown for over 50 times the last two games. The defense cannot come out and, and let us get into a hole where all of a sudden we're having to play from behind. Um, that would be the scenario that, that would have me concerned insofar as this game goes because, you know, otherwise, matchup-wise, exactly like you guys said, I, you know, offense, defense – on, uh, on the field, we match up exceedingly well. No, absolutely. And so, if if somebody on Michigan State's going to hurt is going to hurt us, it's I think it's going to be Lewerke. Um I, I would have said, I, I might have said Hornibrook was was the best quarterback we were going to face until last week, and so hopefully that trend continues. But you know, Lewerke, uh, unlike Hornerbrook, is asked to do a whole lot more. Uh, you know, he's he's got 225 attempts so far uh, this season. He completes them at six at a 60 percent clip. Um, you know, he he will he will turn the ball over. He's he's only got eight touchdowns to seven interceptions. Um, he will get sacked. Uh, they've given up 14 sacks uh, this year so far, and so I, I'm not saying he's unbeatable throw god, but let's not turn him into one. Uh, because because I do think that that if he's got time in the pocket, if you're not moving him off his spot, uh, if you're letting him run through his progressions, um, you know he he is somebody who can be accurate and somebody who they're going to give the ball to um, to, to to complete passes. Uh, whereas Wisconsin, you know, w- once they once they got into the mode where they were going to have to give Hornerbrook the chance to pass, 
that that was like you know that was a 404 error that returned to them it wasn't available <laughs> well and, and, <laughs> you know? and i think the other thing i uh, mean if, if we're 100 percent honest is my, my worry is that if he's going to have 50 attempts is how many pass interference calls is that going to lead to you know just sure or not um they had a number of drives kept alive by defensive holding calls in happy valley this last week and you know, and part of my kind of looking at the breakdown and kind of seeing, you know, I took a closer look at the last, you so the Northwestern game and the Penn State game um, and reading some of the post game stuff from from Penn State folks. I mean, they were just seething, um, not even so much because of the calls, which were six, three, you know, in favor of Michigan State. But just in, in terms of one of those games where they felt they completely outplayed them and, and you know, just botched away a game, um, you know, Michigan State had four fumbles and recovered all four. Um and, and there was a uh, a post on Twitter that showed that there were 16 passes that were defensed, quote unquote, from Lewerke, uh, which would normally uh, you would expect that to equate to four interceptions. And there was just one. So, I mean, you know, just the way the ball bounces and the way things have gone, I, I just I, I get worried that that weird sort of stuff it, it, that has nothing to do with talent or skill, you know, the way things have bounced. I mean, that's that's something that you're going to have to play well enough to account for something weird happening. No, absolutely. Because it's at Michigan State, you know, something weird's going to happen, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, so I will say that the, that, that the AP poll, at least, uh, likes Michigan State a lot more than, like, S&P Plus does. Um, you know, S&P Plus puts them down uh, uh, in the 30s, I believe, for uh, for ranking and, and has Michigan at the number at the number four spot. Um, you know, so they are, uh, you know, and that's just it. And that's just what's sort of laughable about this is, is that, you know, Michigan State is a middling team. They're, you know, 33rd offense, S&P, um, you know, 75th defense, uh, uh, S&P. So like, they're not. They're, 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 this is not a Michigan State team um, that uh, can be called sort of one of D'Antonio's best. Uh, it's it's definitely a, a, a middle squad here, and so um, you know I, I do take some some solace in the notion that you know despite what the rankings might say, uh, a lot of the more advanced stats that that some people are starting to gravitate towards, you know, they like Michigan more. Than, than the rankings do, and they dislike Michigan State more than the rankings do. Um, and so, so I mean, this is not a team, you know, to, to be feared in any way. I think that, that we're going to have to, to watch out so that we're not putting ourselves in the position where the weird stuff starts to really hurt you. Um, you know, for whether, that, whether that weird stuff is officiating, whether it's, um, it's, it's Lewerke doing some things, whether it's them getting a fluky uh, turnover, or you know, special teams touchdown or something like that. Something weird's going to happen, and and hopefully when that weirdness happens, Michigan's got a fourteen or seventeen point lead. Um, you know, instead of instead of having to claw back from behind. Yeah. So, um, so uh, Michigan State. Uh, defensively uh so 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 we all i mean at least at least i sort of sort of think you know if somebody's going to hurt us it's going to be lewerke um you know the, who starts dropping dimes and and he might do a little bit of that um defensively i'll be real honest i don't know much about michigan state's um defense uh, other than than sort of what i've seen on the field which has been basically other teams being able to carve them um to carve them up particularly um, particularly Northwestern. And so uh, I don't know uh, who exactly uh, is, is the guy uh, on, on Michigan State's uh, defense. And, and so um, knowing, knowing that, that at least nobody jumps out on the page at you, I, I have to think that this is somebody that, that Michigan feels like they can start to move the ball against. They're, they're basically very, they have been very good against the run and just, abjectly terrible against the pass, right? That's Which right. is only a problem in that I know that Jim Harbaugh is not going to, at least initially, uh, deviate. You know, and I, I'm not saying I don't think we can't you know, run the ball, but I, sometimes it takes a little bit to get that run game going. And I just don't – I don't want to see us try to, you know, prove a point, for lack of a better term, when I think our, I think our passing offense has the capability of taking advantage of 
of a, of a unit like, uh, like Michigan State's uh, in terms of the matchups we can run out there and, and stuff. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how the early play calling goes. And if maybe, you know, this will be another, you know, if we're able to, if we're able to have success running the ball, that'll be one more notch in the offensive lines, you know, belt uh, to show their improvement uh, this year. Cause I, I guess I don't know the, the rushing offenses they faced or anything like that, but uh, it, it, like the, at least the stat disparity between those two seems to be fairly ridiculous. So I would expect this to be a game that you, you see the tight ends flash again, uh, given given Michigan State's uh, proclivity to defend the run um, and and be not so good against the pass. I would expect Eubanks and Gentry um, to both play, to both have a, a really sort of meaningful stat line. Uh, at, at the end of this, and, and I think that the Michigan receivers are going to be able to find work, um, you know, work to do uh, here. And so, you know, what, what will be very interesting, and, and I sort of disagreed with the take that that was having this uh, occurring this week, which was essentially Shea Patterson um, was getting a little squirrely. I, I mean, he he might have been he might have been bailing on some pockets a little early and and maybe missing some throws. But generally speaking, I thought that when he um, delivered the ball downfield. He delivered it uh, mostly with accuracy uh, and and to the right guy. And then further, I, I was actually somewhat encouraged by his willingness to kind of throw it away when things uh, weren't weren't you know panning out the way, at least in his field of vision, that that he thought that they would. Um, and so, you know, I, I might be a little bit more antsy going into this game with uh, with some of the quarterbacks we've we've fielded previously. But uh, I think that this is a defense that Shea is going to be able to, to to sort of pick apart. And and my, my hunch is, is that tight ends are going to be uh, a big part of that. I think the only concern I had with the um, with his performance against Wisconsin, uh, and a concern isn't even really a fair way of putting it, um, was that there was just a couple of routes that were that were open or were coming open that he just didn't quite seem to see that he's that he's hit earlier in the year two or three episodes during the game. But otherwise, I, I agree with you. I think he handled the game well. Uh, it wasn't a game that was going to require him to have to win it, you know, with his arm alone. Uh, and he made the plays we needed to to, to finish drives. So um, I, I think I think that's a, you know, a, a really good way of putting it heading into East Lansing is, you know, the, when you look at the mismatches we can exploit, I think the tight end probably jumps out as one of the biggest ones, especially against their defense. Yeah, I, I I will say I, I thought he I thought he played pretty well, but there were two sacks that he took that were pretty. I think one may set up that fifty some yard field goal at the end of the half, and then the other one, you know, really killed that. Was it the drive after right after the first interception, maybe or something like that? But yeah, where, he, where, where, he, where he rolled out, he may have and then rolled out again. Yeah. <laughs> Kept going backwards. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I know, you know, I know, I know he's made some of those plays work for for pretty big plays in the past. But it's, it's, yeah, it's it's kind of that thing where, you know, if if he makes a play, he's a genius. But if he doesn't, then then we're saying, oh, you got to throw the ball away and that sort of stuff. So just kind of having, yeah, having that. And he did throw it away, you know, a few times later in the game. So I don't think it's a it's a constant problem. But but those those were pretty big plays in terms of in terms of costing us uh, opportunities at, at more points. So prediction time, Scott. You got you got a prediction here. Um, my only worry right now, from a you know which way this game's going to be played, is the weather is looking a little bit iffy as of last forecast. Um, if it doesn't turn into a trash tornado or monsoon that has benefited Michigan State several times recently, um, I think this has all of the feel of a thirty-one seventeen Michigan victory. Um, if it's really wet, you probably can knock each of those down by, you know, six, seven points. So, but I, I think this is a focused team. I think Harbaugh is, is prepared for this game. I think the leadership on this team is prepared for this game. Um, we have a quarterback who can absolutely win the game and we have a defense that will, uh, go out on the road and, and give us the opportunity to do so. So I think, I think this ends up being a bigger statement than the Wisconsin game. David, what do you think? 28, uh, 10. I'm sick of them. The team's sick of them. Just go out and go out, time to go out and do it. And I think they do. So 
So you have Chase Winovich uh, retweeting one of the many Bullocks who's gone through uh, Michigan State uh, that that, um, he tweeted uh, about a year ago when Chase announced that he was coming back and used those who stay will be champions. Um, you know, the, this Bullock kid uh, tweeted out, you know, champions of what or something like that. And, and Winovich just retweeted him one year later. <laughs> so if you don't think that this defense and that this team is, is ready uh, to go out there and, uh, and put a hurting on a, on a Michigan state team, who's going to be physically overmatched. Um, you know, I think that they are, I think that they're supremely ready. I think if, if anything, um, I, I'm hoping that they're not too amped up to start the game and, and start you know, doing doing dumb things. Um, but you know, I, I think that this is a I think this is a 35 to uh, 35 to 24 uh, win. And, and my hunch is that Michigan State only gets to 24 because uh, you know they, they have to pull pull some some stuff out of a hat uh, there in in the fourth quarter to make it look even even close to respectable. Um, I, I think that that the 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 players on the field set aside the history. None of those previous teams are playing each other. The two teams who are setting up to play this game this week, uh, Michigan is a vastly superior team. And I think it's going to show on Saturday. But the narrative. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> think of the, think of the how narrative. big are the chips? S and P plus can't measure the size, of the chips on their That's shoulders. Right. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't measure a heart. So, anyways, um, all right. So, uh, so with that, we'll we'll sign off for this week and uh, and go blue. Let's beat state. Go blue. Sounds good. Go blue.